You know, after a hurricane, there is the cleanup, the assessment, you know, and, you, and that just breaks your heart. I was watching a video of this man just walking down the water. He, he was like he was in a daze. He's just trying to figure out what's left, where am I at, what do I have, what do I not have. Looking at those huge boats and yachts and just sitting on, on dry ground, it just get, helps give perspective of really what's important and really what matters in everything that, that, that's going on. But as, as important it is to do assessment to figure out what we've lost and what's not there and what's good and what isn't good. At the same time, preparation beforehand, it just reminds us how important that is, how important it is to be prepared to, to handle whatever is coming. It's really interesting. They, when, it, when you break it down, people aren't prepared, whether it's a hurricane or other disasters, for usually just two reasons. They're unaware. They don't know. <laughs> the, the, the greatest loss of death, they, uh, they said, was a hurricane that hit was, you know, over 100 years ago, you know, where there were like 3,000 people were killed because they, there was no warning. There was no nothing. There's no uh, news media, you know, wall-to-wall going on. They're, they didn't know. They are just unaware. Cause so, so sometimes you don't prepare. You don't realize because you're just unaware. Other times, though, it's just carelessness. You know it's there, but really, is it something I need to do? And I started to think about that and think about what God is speaking to us as a body. And it's so important for us to understand we need to live prepared. That's what I want to share with you. How do we live spiritually prepared? We don't know what tomorrow holds. It could be the best day in the, it ever. <laughs> Certainly, you know, the, the weather has changed, and it's, just, it's like our perfect season, isn't it? You know, low humidity, <laughs> low 80s. It's like, this is why we're here. <laughs> of course, it took a hurricane to get us here, but that's beside the point. <laughs> so it could be a beautiful day, or you could be facing some of the hardest things that you've ever dealt with in life. How do you deal with that? How do you prepare for that? I'm going to give you a little bit of an exercise here this morning. Everyone just stay with me. So in your car, you have gauges or an iPad, whatever. It depends on what car you have. And, and these gauges tell you all kinds of things. So I'm going to put up a dashboard. I'm going to, we're going to put up gauges that I want you to look at. And we're just going to, you can take notes and do this uh, with notes. It'll help you remember. I think it's a very good thing. Or you can just do it in, in your mind and your heart. So there are six main gauges that are in our life. What I want you to do, mentally, or uh, write it down, write down emotional, and then write down empty, write down E, quarter, or a half, or three-quarter, or full. You got to leave that up there <laughs> for a while. We're looking at some kind of Marvel thing. What's going on? I don't know. It's, it's all good. So the, the, uh, each one of those... Each one of those tells us something about what's going on. So if, if it's emotional, what's your EQ? Where are you emotionally? Where are you standing? Where, what's going on in your life? You know, you could be good in a lot of areas, but if you're a wreck emotionally, then it just sort of bleeds through everything. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. Where are you physically? <laughs> okay, we'll skip over that one. <laughs> no, but it matters, you know. How, how you doing on your diet? How you doing on your exercise? How you doing on your health? Are you eating right? All that matters. What's your gauge? You, so I want you to do it. Okay, where are you emotionally? Where you put it? Mark it down. Where are you physically? Are you half? 
You three-quarter? Are you like me and you're totally full? No, just kidding. Uh, funny, joke, laugh, make me feel better. Okay. Uh, uh, what about spiritually? You say, how do, how do I know spiritually? Okay, how are you doing on your devotions? Devotions? What's that? Yes. <laughs> you just dropped a quarter. <laughs> or how are you doing and how you treat other people? That's how you are uh, spiritually on the inside. All these things indicate where you're at. So mark in your mind or on the paper where you're at emotionally, physically, spiritual, financial. Things really tough right now? Are you sitting on E? Are you thinking, dear God, I don't know how I'm going to live the next day? Where are you at? Because you see, what these gauges do is it helps us become aware of what's going on. Where do I need to focus? Where do I need to work? And then friendship. You know, it's most striking that um, the, one of the biggest problems that pastors, senior pastors deal with is loneliness. They say they don't have any friends. The Bible teaches us, which is really crazy because they should be teaching the Bible. The Bible teaches us, if you want friends, be friendly. <laughs> I know it's revolutionary. I mean, they, that right there could change your whole life. Be nice. Be friends. Call them up. Well, no one ever calls me. Who'd you call? Come on now, I'm just preaching. But, but, but you understand, where are you at with friendship? You feel like I'm feeling really lonely. I feel like no one cares. And I'm, Okay, this is, let's see where you're at on your dash, dashboard. What about family? You doing well, family? You doing well there, or is that something you need to change? Is that something you need to focus on? Is that something you need to look at? Now, what's interesting about all of these is that we have a tendency to look at our life as a whole. And we look at each one of those and say, man, I'm really low on emotional, but I'm doing real good on friendship, which probably is not true. If you're low on emotional, you're probably low on friendship or family or finances or whatever. Maybe I'm, you're doing really good financially and you're struggling spiritually. But what, this is what we t- tend to look at it. We tend to put it all together collectively and think, uh, overall, I'm okay. Overall, I'm a little low here, I'm low there, but I'm doing good here, I'm doing good there. And so we put it into one big tank, like they all drain in together, put it into one big tank, and we think, okay, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not doing so bad. But that is the wrong way to look at it, because it's not about addition. It's about priority. Because I'm here to tell you this morning, not just because I'm your pastor, not just because, you know, this is what I do, but I'm here to tell you that the gauge that is the most important, the gauge that will feed into absolutely every other gauge is how are you doing spiritually? What is your spiritual life like? Because I guarantee you, if you're strong spiritually, you will have friends. Spiritually strong people are people magnets. People just like to get around them. Why? Because they're encouraging, they're uplifting, they're, they're, they're compassionate, they're kind. That's what spiritual life is. And so other people say, I, want, I like that guy. I want to get around that guy. Or, or if your family, you're investing in your family, you're helping the, you raise up your children in the way that they should go, you're teaching them by example so they don't hear one thing at church and see something else at home with dad or mom. Come on, now I really am preaching. But listen to me, it all affects, emotionally, it affects. Sometimes I get down. I know it's hard to believe. I need a pastor, wow. But sometimes I, I, I get discouraged. <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh, man. It's, we all get that way. But there's something in my spirit that gets quiet with God. And I open up my Bible, and Holy Spirit starts to speak to me. He says, I'm faithful. Don't get discouraged. Don't get overwhelmed. I'm here. You see how it feeds into every single thing, especially into finances? 
especially with finances, you say, well, well, you know what, I'm really struggling here. You trust God with your finances. It's his finances. They all belong to him. Everything you have belongs to him. And so you can trust him with all of that. So what's important here is to look at is how are you preparing spiritually? What is going on in your life? You know, when Jesus interacted in the, in the gospel, it was really interesting. Usually they would ask him questions or he'd be teaching. But in the midst of all of that, almost in every time you encounter Jesus, there's going to be a question. He lived by questions. He asked questions all the time. Question, question, questions. Because <laughs> he, he's probing, he's, he's touching, he's changing, he wants to do something. Jesus constantly asked questions. He didn't answer questions. That's the amazing part. If you go through the Gospels, you'll find all these questions were asked. He didn't answer it. What did he, how did he answer it? He answered it with another question. Let me ask you this. <laughs> let me, let me, because it's about what's going on in your life. So, but in all of these questions, there's some that are, that are, stirring and challenging, but the one that, to me, is the most haunting is the one I, I, I stop and it makes me go, catch my breath. The Word of God should do that. If you're really allowing it to go into your heart and your mind, you should be reading it every now and then. <gasps> Otherwise, you're not reading it. You're just perusing it. Did you, did you understand what I just said? That's so important. you you got to let it be in there. This is one of those. When I, when I read the Scripture and Jesus says, when I come back, when the Son of Man returns, when I come back for the second coming, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith in his believers? Jesus is asking that. And so I have to stop and think, oh, my goodness, what is he saying? What, what, what is going on? You see, now, when it comes to God, uh, Jesus' return, there's a lot of debate out there. This is how he's going to do it. This is when he's going to do it. For the most part, I just get frustrated with it because people have such a wrong idea about Christ's return. Do you realize it was something everyone in the early church looked forward to? They couldn't wait. They prayed for it. They asked for it, not just to get out of the difficulties they were in, but because they believed it is, it was the, it's the final act of everything that's going to happen. And, and we've somehow drifted into this, this eschatological teaching that just makes it fearful and makes it apprehensive because we don't really understand the gospel. That's one of my passions. I love teaching on the end times, not just because I want to scare people, because I'm trying to get people out of the fear. <laughs> because if you're afraid of Jesus is coming back the second time, then you don't understand the theology behind it and what Jesus is really all about. You just don't. But it's something good. In fact, Paul writes, Paul writes that it, he, at the end, he said, Maranatha. Now, what's interesting, Maranatha means, Lord, come. <laughs> Lord, come now. Lord, I, come back for me. But it comes from an, um, two Aramaic words that are translated into Greek. But the Aramaic words were the common tongue. That's what everyone was saying. That's what everyone was speaking. In other words, they, that was a greeting, Maranatha. <laughs> God, come. The Lord, come. They weren't apprehensive and they weren't fearful for his coming. They were something they looked forward. And when he recomes, what will he find? Are you prepared? You know, there is a, a teaching that Paul's writing in his letter to Timothy. Timothy is a, a, is a young minister, so Paul's writing and encouraging. And he gets in the first Timothy chapter four, he gets to the fourth chapter. And it, he has one of those moments where he, I, it probably just stops and challenges Timothy a little bit. And he says, in the last days, in the days right before Jesus comes, many, many 
will lose their faith. Wow. That, he's talking about the church. He's talking about us. They'll lose their faith. How will they lose it? Because they'll be deceived. They'll be deceived in thinking that that's the way to live or that's not the way to live or that's the way to act. And then you find in this fourth uh, chapter the most amazing thing. Let me just put it in a context that we can understand. If you read the fourth chapter of 1 Timothy, it's gauges. This is how you eat. This is how you live. This is how you treat others. This is how you respond. This is how you exercise. This is what's important about exercise. You know it's all there. There's gauges after gauge after gauge. But he ends with what is most important in verses 15 and 16. He ends with, okay, this is what you need to understand about all these gauges, about how you live your life, about where, really are you going to be prepared for everything that God's going to do. Let me read that to you. It starts out and it says, be diligent. Diligent in these matters. What matters in all of these gauges and how you are to live? Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Wow. That there is so much in there that I just, I just felt I want to stop and unpack that a little bit. Just let, let God's word come in your heart this morning. Allow God to speak to you. Allow the, the scripture is alive. It's not just words on a piece of paper. The, it's not just about uh, uh, something that is, that, that's just written down. It's something that is active and moving inside of you. And I believe this morning, these two verses are going to move in your life and change you. Because that's what the power of God does through the Holy Spirit. It's important to understand that. It's important to, to, to look in that, to be spiritually prepared. How do we do that? Not long ago, I took a trip with my family, and we were in Jared's uh, EV Mustang, Ford Mustang, apprehensive a little bit because, you know, uh, give me gas. That's what I'm about. Come on. <laughs> Floorboard it, feel it, power, rev up, get there. And the way you travel is you, is you fill up with gas, and you go as long as you can until the kids are screaming or whatever, and they want to stop, and then you stop and get gas, and you eat whatever you fill up, and you go. But this is different. It's a different type of driving. Because what's amazed uh, uh, me about this trip was that when you stop and you plug in, it tells you where to stop. It will tell you what percentage to charge up to. You know, like 54%, 67%. And I'm thinking, well, that's crazy. Why don't I just do it all the way? But it knows that the last top half takes longer. And it's about how do you get there most efficiently? How do you get to the, where you're trying to go with the right timing? How, how does that work out, right? So it knows stop here, 67%, then go here at 54% because they know how far it's apart and what you need to do. And it maps out everything. And I think this is what Chapter 4 is doing for us, is mapping out how do we get there. Come on. How do we live this life? How do we really allow God to touch us and to change us? So I, I just want to back up a little bit and break down this first. In 1 Timothy 4, 15, it says, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. Be diligent in these matters. The word diligent really means take care. You know literally what it means is meditate. Meditate. Meditate on it. Allow this to come in to your heart. You know, if you go out to the farm, I, <laughs> way back when I was much younger, there was much more country around in the Dallas area, you go out to the cows, and I had friends that had farm animals and stuff like that. And the cow chews its cud. That means it, it, it eats it 
let it come down a little bit. I know that sounds gross. Come back up, does it again, does it again. And what this does is it, is it softens it up and gets it ready for his stomach. And so he does this over and over and over again so that if the more he does this, and now, nowadays it's all high tech. They have cameras on the cows watching them chew. <laughs> I thought about having one. I watched a video of a cow chewing, and it was just gross, so I'm not going to do it. So the, the point is, okay, are we city or what? But the, the, the point is, is that the quality of the milk comes directly from how often and how well it meditates on that food, how well it goes over it. And the quality of your life and the quality of you being prepared for no matter what you face is directly connected to the meditation that you give to this. How do you really focus on that? And you focus on what matters. So if you're in the path of a hurricane and you live right on the coast and there's a Category 4 coming at you, you can't say, hey, I went out and got my batteries, I'm good. <laughs> really? Really? Batteries. You think that's going to I got my double A's. I'm set. <laughs> no. You know, there's, there's other things you need to consider, like evacuating and getting your car out of there and getting your family out of there and getting all these other things out of there. There's things that matter. And sometimes I think we get lost in what doesn't matter and miss what really matters. Diligently think. To be prepared spiritually means, is my heart right? Is my attitude right? Am I trusting God? Am I believing from God? Do things have a hold on me? Do areas saying, God, God, you're all good here, but this area is mine. That's not holy. That's not uh, holy doing, completely surrendering to everything that God's trying to do in your life. The verse goes on that says, so that everyone may see your progress, watch your life and doctrine closely. It's the most amazing thing. Christianity is not about what's going on in your heart. It starts with what's going on in your heart and your relationship with Christ. But if it Christianity that's not seen isn't Christianity. It has to be seen. And so if you're thinking, I want to be prepared for no matter what comes, no matter what hurricane comes or, or what uh, tragedy comes, I want to be prepared for, for the good and the bad, it starts with what do other people see? The other people are reading your gauges too, <laughs> I mean, we did that internally, right? It was just about us. But other people see it too. You think, how, how do they see me spiritually? How are you treating one another? You see, progress in God and growing in God is internal. But it's always seen externally. It, you grow in God in your heart. This is about you and God. That's true. But the growth of what's going on in your heart is always seen by others, but always seen outside. That's how you know. Those, that's the gauges that you're looking at. You know, when you're treating other people and the way you respond or the way you give or the way you care or whatever it is or the, or the things, this is what matters because it's a reflection of what's going on on the inside. You know, sometimes people, you ever been with someone that just drove on fumes? <laughs> you know, just like, you going to stop? You going to stop? No, I'm good. I'm good. And you're thinking, you are not good. <laughs> this car is going to run out of gas and I'm going to be stuck. <laughs> Lisa would do this with her, the van that we used to have because she knew, you know, it had 30, 40 miles more on it, you know, when it was on E and it was on yellow and all the gauges were blinking and yelling and doing all kinds of things. And she said, I'm good. I'm just thinking, Lisa, you got to tell me because I get the gas in the car. That's what I do. She tells me it's low and I drive the car and I get the gas. That's what I do. I've been doing this for 37 years. I think she's get, gotten gas three times, four times, a handful 
That's it, in our, in, in our entire marriage. But sometimes you just know, this is what I do, okay? Uh, husbands, come on, you just, this is what you do. <laughs> Same thing with wives, this is what you do. <clears throat> to, to be together, to understand how we live together. So what, what's, what's important is when other people are seeing the fumes to you. It's really interesting, it says it's watching uh, life and doctrine. I love that phrase. The theology is connected to life. What you believe is connected directly, and what you believe in God, how you believe God's going to use you, how you believe God's touching you, how you believe God is moving in your family, is directly connected to your life, to all the other gauges. If there's nothing else, that one phrase, that one little section tells us what, what happens with me spiritually affects every single other gauge that I'm living in my life. How do I prepare? Make sure your heart's right. Make sure your life's right, and then it will be seen everywhere. Watch your theology. Watch all that. Then it goes on to say, persevere in them. Persevere. Don't give up. Don't quit. It does. Okay, sometimes it's going to be E. Sometimes you're going to look and you're going to say, with everything going on, I'm just at E. That's okay. But you know how to fill back up. It's not, it's not getting mind space right and, and making sure my EQ is right. It's making sure I'm right with God. And that's going to fill it up. Making sure my, God, I got no money. But I got faith that you're the God that supplies every single need. There's been more than once in our lives that we've been that way. Say, God, we can't do it. And we literally can't do this. We cannot pay our, our mortgage. We were like that early on in marriage. But we're going to trust you. And that week, I received a, an award for over $1,000 or $1,000 cash. We actually sat on the bed, took all 10 of the, uh, <laughs> of, of the $100 bills and threw them in the air. You think that's just silly, right? We're giving it to God. God, it was all yours. God, just, just, and, and there's no way I should have received that reward. No way at all. And that's God's faithfulness. That's what God does. You see, the gauge you have is more than just you. It's more than just you. It affects other people. Because if you do that, you will save other people. You'll actually make a difference. How do I make a difference in someone else's life? How do I really do that? This is just basic Christianity. This isn't something that's rocket science or something that is, uh, that is, that's really deep out there for Ph.D. doctors and whatever. This is how we live. If we're right with God, we'll be right with other people. If you're treating your spouse wrong, it's not about them. It's about you. It's about what's in here. Come on. So somebody should say amen to that. Then we'll know who's getting treated back. No, just kidding. <laughs> The point is, stop kissing in the back back there. It's all good. God is good. You see, what you need to understand is you can't help anybody if you're underwater. You can't help anybody. I mean, there's times that you need to be helped. That's good. But there's other times that you're just underwater. I, I, I can't help. So we need to be good. If we're going to touch our world, if we're going to change our community, if we're going to be strong so that financially we can send money, uh, through convoy of hope to people that are hurting, then we need to be in a position where we have sown and God has poured into our life so that we can pour back into that. See the, how that works? How God trusts us? In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable, and it's all set up by what's going to happen in the last days. So this is the story of the last days. And this is what Jesus tells in Matthew 25. And it's an interesting story because it's all about culture. And if you don't know the culture, you can miss this. But he tells the story of a wedding. And this is how the wedding works. 
the bride would go with 10 bridesmaids to her father's house usually. And then the groom would come with his groomsmen, and then they would take the bride, and then all the bridesmaids would leave the way with lights, and they would go to the house, the, the groomsman's house, or the, the, the groom's house, and then they would have the ceremony, and then they would have the wedding, and they, but it's not like ours. You see, when we get married, I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear from you. Don't, you never bother anyone on the honeymoon, right? No, 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 no. That's not work back then. And back in those days, you would get married, and the next day you would have a party, and then another one, and another one. It will be five days of all of this. And it was all set up by this, by this beginning. Now, what's interesting is that there was almost a game that was played. The groom would, the goal would to come when the bride and the bridesmaids wouldn't expect it when they would, he could surprise them with what's going on. And they all knew that. That was a part of it. So that's part of the culture. So you had to be prepared. You see where this is going? And so what happened is that Jesus tells the story of ten bridesmaids, five were wise, five were foolish. Literally, another way for us to understand, they were just careless. They weren't prepared. Five made sure they had plenty of oil in their lamp, and then they had another container. The other five only brought what they had in their lamp. In other words, watch this. They had no way to fill, get filled back up. They had no way to pour the oil that had been used back into their lives. You see, it's really interesting because in the last days, I don't believe it will be because people, as 1 Timothy 4.1 says, it's not just because they're evil. It's not because they're just, ah, I hate God. I'm going to go out and serve the Satan. You know, it's, it's not about any of that. No, no, no. They're just careless. And as a church, as a people of God, I believe that's what God's calling us to, to not to be prepared and not live careless, understanding our words matter, our, our actions matter, how we treat other people, how we respond, how we are trusting God. That all matters. And he gets to the very end where the groom in this particular story that Jesus tells comes and surprise. <laughs> but right before then, all the oil ran out. And the ones that had, all the oil ran out. You got to get that. All 10, the oil ran out. Five had extra and were able to pour in. The other five had to go and leave and find it somewhere else. And during that time, the groom comes, takes him to the house. They, they have one responsibility, the bridesmaid, is to walk and carry the light. That's their job. That's their purpose is to carry the light in front of the bride and in front of the groom. That is their responsibility. And so when they get to the house, finally the other five, uh, as Jesus tells the story, are able to get the oil. And then they come knocking and say, okay, we're here. We got the oil now. Look what Jesus says in verse 11 of Matthew 25. He says, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. We're here. We got it. We, we, we finally did it. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. You had one job. Just stay aware. Just stay awake. <laughs> Just stay focused. And I know it's hard. The oil runs thin. But there's always a place that we can get filled back up. And I think so often in church, we made a commitment, and God loved us and changed us, and we gave our heart to God, and we just got busy doing life that we forgot to get filled back up. And he says, therefore, keep watch. That's what this is about. Keep watch. Be aware. What's going on in your life? Sometimes 
it's not missing. We're not missing the gauge. It's not, we didn't see the gauge. We just didn't care. And I think God is calling each and every one of us to say, okay, I'm going to live prepared. I don't know if Ian's going to come tomorrow or some other crazy name they come up with <laughs> or whatever thing is going to go on, but I'm going to be prepared spiritually in my life. And when the light glows, I'm not going to sit there and say, I'm, I'm okay. Well, are you sure? Sometimes as a pastor, I feel that way. Sometimes as a pastor, I'm going, uh, <clears throat> that's, a, that's, that's a warning light. <laughs> that light's glowing. Oh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, but I just want you to know, if you get too low, then you're running on empty. And you can't go anywhere when you're running on empty. You see, five took the role seriously. This is my job, to carry the light. Do you understand that's our job? Do you understand that's what God has called us to do is to carry the light? So, Greg, what's my purpose in life? What's my life? It's easy. The Bible tells us over and over. Carry the light in front of the, in front of the groom and the bride. Carry the light in a metaphorical sense. Carry God's word. Make sure that's, your, that's our role. That's our purpose, to love people, to care for people, to make a difference in people, to reach out to people. And I know it's hard, and I know sometimes it's difficult, but that's what we're called to do. That's our role. And I said, Greg, I can't. I'm just empty. Can you fill back up? When you can't, you know what? That's, it's great. It's amazing the way God worked this. When you can't feel like you do any, anything else and you just feel like you're empty, you know what that tells you? You need to get filled back up. You need to sit back. Open God's word. Let the scripture speak to you over and over and over. And just meditate. And all of a sudden you'll find, man, I got the grace. God has given me the grace to endure this, to do whatever. You see, you have to be willing to be in, the, in it for the long haul. And I think more than anything, that's what Jesus was talking about in the last days. Come on, we're not giving up. We're, if we're empty, we're going to get filled back up. If we're struggling, we're going to allow that oil to come back in our, in our life. We have to be prepared and trust what God's doing. Don't be foolish. Don't be careless and let that oil run out. And not, some of you right now may feel like, man, I am empty. I am empty. God's here. That's the beautiful part about our relationship with God. And you say, Greg, how do I know I'm empty? What is all the gauges around you saying? You might be good here, but how are you treating people or how are you giving to other people or how are you surrendering your life to God or how's your emotion? All of that are indications about God. Am I receiving everything that you want to do in my life? Because here's what's interesting. The ones that ran out of oil wanted to borrow from the others and, and it, it doesn't happen. You can't borrow from your wife, from your husband, from your children, from your parents. It's about you. It's about what kind of oil is going into you. <laughs> you or even your church. <laughs> I'm good. I go to that church. Really? <laughs> wow. You could be in a garage and not be a car. Think about that. It'll, it'll come. The, 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 point, the point, appreciate that support, Ann. The point is, well, God fill you. And that's the beauty of what we're dealing with right Paul wrote, now let me just end with this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, he was really worried. And he says, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out 
about your faith. How is your faith doing? What's going on in your faith? It's not, I couldn't stand any longer. Are you out of food? I couldn't stand any longer. Are you, are you emotionally a wreck? I couldn't stand any, no, 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 no. He wanted to know, okay, where are you at? Are you prepared in your faith? I was afraid that in some way the tempter, because remember that's what uh, 1 Timothy 4.1 says, that they were deceived and thinking, oh, it's okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter who I live with. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter how I treat other people. It doesn't matter how I respond. I could just, it's just about me. And he says, no, 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 no. I was afraid that in some way the tempter tempted you and that our labors might be in vain. Don't let everything you've done be in vain. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep living. Because you're either living carelessly or you're living in his care. You're trusting him. And say, Greg, I'm low. Okay, let's, let's allow God to just pour into you. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, my heart just breaks for those that might be sitting there with lamps, with no oil. It's been a long time since your Holy Spirit just moved in their life and moved in their heart. God, we just pray for that refreshing, that wind to blow over every single person here to stir us to greater things, to believe in the promises and the faithfulness of God. Move in every single heart. Break down the pride. Break down the, the hardness that so easily creeps into our life. Let the oil soften us to your will, to your direction, to your voice in our hearts. God, if there's any person, any person that doesn't even have a lamp, that have never given their life to Christ, I pray right now, right now, in their heart, you reach in and touch them, and they're willing to say, God, forgive me. God, I need you. God, I want you in my life. God, I pray that with them. And I join that with them, watching online now or in the, in the months to come, where, whatever it is, or in this very room, God. You can bring that change with just the simplest of prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for doing that. Now, for every one of us, God, fill us with your oil, of your grace, of your spirit. Stir us. Let us believe and have greater faith in all the things you're doing in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.